0: To listen to fucking Uncle Tom's Cabin and, and play the riff because I'm like I know I know it I taught it to you and as soon as I put it on I was like
1: oh that one great thank you for playing that hey everybody and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job my name is Paul that was the world's greatest guitar player Mark Tremaglia playing Uncle Tom's Cabin because we talked about it a few episodes back
0: <laughs> well I had to go listen to it and uh and because rem- I, I taught it to you in the past so yep. I'm like I know I know it and I just totally you know cheesed it on the last (laughs) session so
1: (laughs) so in in a recent lesson we were going through stuff and you were teaching me country licks but you were also doing ingve stuff and you're also doing (laughs) hair metal stuff and you're you're doing everything can is it are these things are these things you just know that's the question do you have to practice like country licks to get country licks under your fingers
0: if I want to be more advanced, I'm basically a jack of all trades, not even close. I mean, a master of none is like an understatement. <laughs> like, dude's got three licks in every style, and I just fake it, you know? I mean, that's 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 basically it. I mean, in all honesty, yeah, I mean, if I wanted, I'd have to practice country to, like, become a country player. I just have some licks that I know are appropriate for country type of numbers, you know? And that's, right. that's you know, Tommy Tedesco, the... the the great session musician who played, you know, on everything from Hawaii Five-0 to um, to James Bond, you know, he used to say, there's a great story that he went in and they said, um, we need this song that's kind of like a, um, I'm going to grab a guitar just to, to demonstrate. Yeah,
1: do it. For you um, You got a lot of choices back there, Mark. I do. I couldn't.
0: Yeah. I wanted to get something that was in tune, right? So they said, Hey Tommy, we need something with like sort of a Spanish feel. You got anything? And they were like, that's great. And then they used it in Hawaii 5.0. And the next day he had another session. And they said, Hey Tommy, we got we need, you know, sort of a, a Spanish feel on this one. What do you got? And he said, and so the next day he was on a you know episode and so basically the joke is is that he basically played the same thing when they needed that feel because that was the licks he had so it didn't really go he didn't he didn't have to go too crazy so (laughs) it was cracked up at that one that's uh
1: that's i i guess it makes sense but it is really funny like Whoever's listening is like, okay, perfect take. Click, we got it on tape. We're moving on to the next thing, right? Because (laughs) exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, Mm. All right, cool. We were briefly talking about um, someone you know, uh, Brian Forsythe from the band Kicks, had a health scare recently, but doing doing well. played Played the big. Last kick show in yeah. in Maryland, which was enormous by uh, every every picture that I saw, and we were commenting on how good Brian Forsyth looks. Right, man.
0: He had, I mean, it, he's he's found the fountain of youth. That's for sure. You know, between his killer wardrobe, his great hair, and just still looking like a young rock star. It's it's amazing how he does that.
1: So for a band like that, does it make sense that they stop? So what I, the press that I read, they all sort of agreed, you know, it's a good stopping point. Uh, the, the singer, you know, felt like there were points now where he can't always deliver. I think that that was, for him, that was a, long, yeah. a, a large part of it. But do you, Do you feel like bands know when to stop? No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of bands, like there's some bands that are going that probably don't really need to keep going, you know. Uh, But I don't know, you know, I mean, I I know as we get older, you know, with with Steve, I, I think that's admirable that he's like, hey, I can't deliver every time. You know, I mean, on the other side of that, that band still performs so well. Yeah. But I know they don't want to use other musicians. They want to stick with the brothers that came up, you know, and they've been using a lot of their other musicians. And I'm sure that's part of the whole thing, too, is like if those same five guys could get back together and do it, they would, I think. But I think, you know, Steve's er- earned that retirement if he wants to do that. And And, you know, they've obviously played some big shows and made some fans and had a long career. I mean, they've been around since the 70s. Right. Right, and, you know, and then look at the dogs. I was just talking to Lauren uh, this weekend. We had a show that that went went off great, um, out of town. And, and, uh, Little Caesar, you mean, right? Little Caesar, yes, yeah. yeah. We had a we had a show out in um, Reedley, which is by Visalia. It's like the Sequoia National Park up there, and it was beautiful. We played on by this river. On this, we had. We had it all set up nice, nice PA. It was, it was a lot of fun. And he and I were talking about playing and I was telling him how much I love the dogs. And he was saying that he just spoke to Mary, the bass player, and he was asking her, hey, how much longer do you want to keep doing this? You're 75, you know? <laughs> and she goes, I don't ever want to stop. She goes, if I stop, I have nothing else to, to do. She goes, this is, this is what I look forward to in my life. So it's like that being said, and look at Mick Jagger, he's right. 80. You know, I just read Andrew Watt, Recording him said he came into the studio, took his jacket off, looked ripped and got in front of the mic and just like did two couple takes and nailed it. And it's like the guy's 80 and he's still like just, you know, a master. So it's, it's, it's hard to say. I think everybody's different.
1: So bringing up the Stones, the Stones are releasing new music, right? So they released yeah. a single a while ago, it, For at least for me, sort of meh, you know, but the the newer single... Is actually pretty cool, right? Yeah. Whoa, did you just say that something with the stones was cool? <laughs> I know. Ah. I'm really going to playing against type here, but but it's true. Like it's a cool, it's a it's a cool song, right? But I haven't heard it yet. I'm gonna have to check it out. But the a band like the Stones could surely stop, right? They <laughs> definitely don't need to do it. So at some point when you're a band that big are you sort of like the band that's starting out in nowhere, let's say nowhere, Pennsylvania, where you don't really care if anybody's listening. You're just doing it because you're doing it. Of course people are listening to the stones, right? But I get the sense that they're just not, they don't care about anything at this point.
0: I think they just love playing. And I think they actually like playing together. Like they have fun. I mean, I saw them 10 years ago and, Keith and Mick were laughing and joking on stage. Ronnie Woods seems like a character, you know? So it's like, for them, it's like, I want to get together with my mates, you know? <laughs> Hop up on stage and and some of the songs, you look at their set list and, I mean, I've never saw a set list where every song was literally a hit. I'm like, geez, I remember like being a kid in the 70s and hearing all these on the radios. I remember being a kid in the 80s and hearing all these on the radio. And the kid in the 90s, you know? It's like yeah. they just,
1: yeah. it's amazing. Yeah and of course to think like why were they sitting on this newer song for so long and and i guess again part of it is they they quite literally can do whatever they want they are beholden to no one right they have they have dump a pile of money in your lawn and burn it kind of wealth um they did. <laughs> so what's the motivation i guess and and i think you just said it right just doing it because because it's fun, but the gulf between uh, where most bands are and yeah. where the Stones are, or is is enormous, right? It's it's so, like the idea that if you're not to get too political, but if you're a Republican, you're just your first million away from uh, being one of the ones that are going to get a tax break, right? So if you're if if you're in a band, you're just a hit away from joining the Stones. Right. And even, you know,
0: even that's delusional, right? Because, (laughs) you know, how many bands have had one hits and where are they now? You know, I mean, how sad. There's so many bands that have had one hits, Paul, that sometimes I'll go down the rabbit hole and I'll go to, I don't know if you knew, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you do, but on Wiki, you can go like, you know, 1971, Billboard charts, March of 20, you know, March 22nd, the week of or whatever, and look at the top 25 songs and like, 15 of the artists you've never heard of, right. five of them you haven't heard from in in 30 years. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. And sometimes I see names in a, a song and I'm like, what the, I've never heard of them. And I'll put the song on and I'm like, oh, I kind of do remember that chorus. You know, I, or I've never heard it at all. And it's just, it's crazy. So there, there's a lot of music out there. and
1: Yep. And a st- if the Stones, again, harping on the Stones, now if the Stones release a song, everyone's going to know. Whereas, again, if you're normal band level, even successful, even Little Caesar or the Crusados, right, it's so hard to get your new song in front of someone.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and again, you have to have a team or you have to have friends that are willing to do the work for you, you know? Mm-hmm. We're lucky enough to have a connection with Underground Garage. So um, the little Steven Underground Garage plays us on there. There's like three DJs. You know, how many DJs are there? Probably a lot, you know, yeah. but three DJs play us. So that's something, you know, we, we get a little streaming and get it on radio. So hopefully we can attract more people to want to buy the record or like our Facebook or whatever you do these days. Cause honestly, I, I don't know. I just want to get on stage and play. And I keep thinking about how much I enjoy that part of music is just playing live and having fun. You know, I like writing, I like recording, but, but, I, I want to just play.
1: Okay, so you you fall firmly on the live performance side of being musician rather than the the br- rather than the Brian Wilson kind of studio tinkerer guy. Yeah,
0: I, you know I I do enjoy the studio now and again, but it's to me it's kind of it's not as exciting as getting in front of people. There's an energy there that's palpable when you have a whole you know you have 200 heartbeats in front of you and they're. Cheering you on and dancing and smiling and and whatever, just party and having fun. That contributes to the music and it makes it fun for us on stage. And the energy just makes the whole thing kind of blow up. You know, it makes everybody have a good time and the feeling. You know, you play on stage and when people are into it, you feel that adrenaline rush. It's like a drug. You know, and you just want to. You just want to keep doing that, and and now I'm at the point where I've done this for so long that it's a real joy. I don't get up there with the stress of, is my cable going to break? Is my guitar going to be out of tune? Do I remember the chords? Do I know this part? What's going to happen in this section? Why is everybody looking at me? You know what I mean? I get up there now and I just go, dude, I'm playing with my boys. The bass player sounds great. I'm going to turn down just a little so we can hear him a little more. You know, like. Like that's it's it's enjoyable
1: now. Even if you have to schlep your own gear, because again, most bands are not at the level where they can hire cartage or road crew or whatever. That's just not a. It's so hard to make money on the road, so you have to truck your own shit around, and it, you yeah. still enjoy sure. it. I I love
0: it. <laughs> I, I got a little tiny car, and I threw my my half stack in there, and uh, my pedal board, and two guitars. I brought my Flying V, and uh, had fun, you know. And it was it was great.
1: Why not go away from amps and just do digital simulation, do in ears? Then basically, you're just walking in with a guitar and maybe a small suitcase, and and you're done.
0: I, you know, you're tempting me with the ease of it because I I like ergonomic things, but. I have to have a tube amp. There's there's just there's such a connection there. It was it's funny too because I've been I went back to my Marshall from using the EVH that I've been using and that Marshall Plexi sounds so good that after the first rehearsal Ron Young the singer for Little Caesar and Cruzados he pulled me aside and he goes, "Dude, you got to play that amp all the time." He goes, "You are screaming right now. It is so nice to actually like hear you so present." And I was like, "Yeah, I think that's that's the way I'm going to go."
1: That that is such a good point where you have been Members, and we've talked about this concept before in the podcast where you have band members who are actually listening to each other rather than the constant, I need to hear myself and I don't care what anybody else is doing, right? Um, which is the problem with a lot of young bands where everybody is essentially in a silo on stage, only listening to themselves and, and no one else. But Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but but you I mean, again with, with your experience in the bands that you're in, everybody's listening to each other and and playing a show together. Look, you think, you know, if you compare
0: it to sports, if you had a basketball team and one guy got the ball and just ran around and dribbled and then <laughs> laid it in or shot it, and got blocked, you know, and the other four guys are standing there. That's what it's like if you only listen to yourself. I mean, you want to hear music. You want to hear the song. I don't I, to me. I just don't understand that. Like I, I want to hear the bass player, you know crossing signals with me and the drummer keeping that rhythm where I can follow his hi hat and the singer being melodic that I can, you know, add my guitar around those melodies. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the stuff that's fun. And, you know, Lauren always plays loud enough that I can hear him next week. So that that's (laughs) never a problem, you know, and I love weaving with him because our styles are so different.
1: So Lauren has a time traveling guitar rig.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, he just plays so loud that it just travels ahead. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> the sound waves are still moving through Oh, spaces. man,
0: they're going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about the idea that a good guitar track can't save a bad song? So that's a quote that I came across uh, earlier. A good
0: guitar track can't save a bad song, so, unless you're a guitar player.
1: So In, there, Ingve would disagree 100%.
0: Exactly. You know, I, yeah, I, I think even Dokken in the 80s, there's songs that just the vocals aren't aren't there, the choruses aren't there, but man, I used to listen to it because I was like, dang, that guitar riff, holy cow. <laughs> so a guitar player, sure, but I, I totally understand why, you know, my wife would go, eh, singing's eh, and then she'd turn it, you know, because that's really what she hears in music until I go, drums are doing this, the bass is doing this, and then she'll kind of go, oh, okay, I hear that now, you know, but... Yeah she listens to music the proper way. She hears it as a wall of sound with somebody singing, whereas you and I, from playing for so long, we know what the bass is doing, we know what the drums are doing, I know what the other guitar player's doing, I know what the singer's doing. Like I have to know everybody's parts too, because if I don't know their parts, how do I know my part? You know, I mean, it's just about being thorough
1: in in a song like that or in your experience. Is there such a thing as too much guitar playing for guitar centric bands, bands that, can, you know, hair metal, whatever, grunge, you know, as you're coming up in guitar centric music, can there be too much guitar for a particular song?
0: Um, uh, Yeah, there can be too much of anything for a particular song, you know, I mean, I love Ingvei, but. After like two songs, seriously, I have to turn them because it just all starts sounding like the same idea. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, different, there there may be very varying differences between everything, but it still sounds similar enough to my ear where now I got to go to Miles Davis or now I got to go to Hank Williams or now I got to go to Tupac. You know, like I just need something that's not, you know. (laughs)
1: Did you say the same thing about Eric Johnson or Steve Vai? Yes. Or or Uh, Satch?
0: for myself, one hundred percent. I find that I really love guitar instrumentals, and I, I I love that, but i I last about two songs per guitar player.
1: okay. was the was the death of hair metal partly caused by mediocre songs with athletic guitar players? One
0: hundred percent, one hundred percent. And you know, the thing is is singers couldn't really sing. I mean, there you know, the knock came when rock and roll started that these guys aren't singing you know but by the 80s there was that that high pitch kind of scream that nasally "Ah," that thing and it was just like singers all started to do that you know that ethel merman voice (laughs) and it just it got like you know and and they and what happened too was they tried to write hooks every song had to have like the repeating chorus in it you know rock rock blah blah, blah rock you know like they're trying to like have some anthem everybody you know and there were so many bands and, and 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 what do you remember from it you know
1: yeah i remember good songs in high school being pretty fun was is what i remember about it
0: well there were bands i think that wrote great songs during that era like guns and roses right. or Iron Maiden, for instance, you know, but there was just if you're talking about what killed it is the 50 other bands that came out with their one hit that just sounded like everything else. I mean, we talked about it in the last one, but I mean, the more I thought about it after we finished that, I was like, God, so many similar riffs. And like you could put 10 songs off of one riff because everybody had it. And then the chorus had the same chant, you know, or had some sort of re- repetitive melody that they they tried to stick in your head rather than writing good music.
1: Is that modern country now? Yeah, hundred percent. So, 100%. But, but modern country doesn't feel like it will go away in the same way that hair metal went away.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right about that because hair metal was very specific to certain people, mostly teenagers, and we grow up, yeah. you know, <laughs> so like that kind of went away. But country music is is for a whole, you know, millions of people. It's much more ubiquitous. It's not like, you know, just teenagers listen to it, you know, 70 year olds listen to it through 20 year olds in certain regions of the country. That's that's the choice. I mean, when I'm in the South, sometimes we turn the radio dial. It's either gospel, classical, or country. That's it. There's no rock, alternative, rap. I mean, and that's just what they know is people want to hear. So that's what's going to be there.
1: Okay, then let's switch gears slightly and talk about Clapton's Crossroads thing, which happened in a L.A. relatively recently with. I know
0: I really didn't even know about it.
1: (laughs) So so you weren't invited to play. Let's first get that. Or did you turn it down?
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, I turned that down. (laughs) (laughs) That call ever came, which it won't. That would be amazing. Uh,
1: So you would do it. Uh, So hypothetically here, you would do it even though Clapton is, you know, basically shown himself to be a complete like boomer idiot sort of guy. Yes.
0: I mean, I don't really listen to his music anymore, but he did a Desert Island album of mine, the Layla album. And that's mainly because I love what Dwayne added to Clapton's already great songs. Yeah. So, you know, that I give him I give him the the little bit of a pass for that and he's still a legend, you know. I mean, in the guitar world, he did things that other guitarists didn't do, you know, playing a loud Marshall with a Les Paul through it. He's really like the first guy to do that in the 60s to just crank up and
1: there were, a, of course, a lot of players on that show. I'm, I really dig Ariel Posen um, recently, yeah. and and he played that, and I listened to a podcast where he talked about it, and he said it was controlled chaos. It was one of the things you've talked about in the past where it's the big stage and it spins, the band setting up behind it. But there were also two small stages to either side for in-between like smaller acts. And Ariel Posen, most people don't know who he is. Um, right. Uh, he played <clears throat> on one of the side things. Um, and there were lots and lots of really cool guitar players that I wouldn't have expected, like Molly Tuttle, for example, who I think is legitimately amazing. Um, but nice. there, there were, of course, players that are sort of mainstream that everyone knows and, and maybe loves or doesn't. So that got me thinking about John Mayer, right? John Mayer, like. People love to rip on John Mayer, myself excluded. Like I don't, I don't enjoy John Mayer at all. So, from your perspective, is John Mayer worthy of the hype as a guitar player? Not talking about a crappy songwriter, "Your Body's a Wonderland," whatever, but as a, as like a blues ripping guitar player, is he that guy? He's, he's pretty solid. Yeah,
0: he's he's a pretty great guitar player. He can. He he was a good blues Jimi Hendrix guy. He gets that Stevie Ray kind of feel when he wants. And once he started playing with Weir, all of a sudden he had a Jerry Garcia kind of thing going. And he, yeah, he's definitely a, a, a legit legit player. You know, I mean, he may not be a Derek Trucks or Warren Haynes level of keep it going the way they do, but mm-hmm. he's he's definitely. I I would say special. I would say he's – any, and he keeps guitar alive, you know? I mean I don't know how many kids see him and and connect with him and then go, I want to play guitar. So, you know, I I love the instrument and I want it to stay alive. I want people to to enjoy the sound of it also play it, you know? Like it doesn't bother me at all when other people play guitar, when other people are great. (laughs) I think that's great. You know, well, I mean, because you get it, right? There's so many guitar players that are just jealous of everybody. and they're so annoyed that everybody plays guitar, but everybody <laughs> doesn't. We need everybody too. So, if you're out there listening, pick up a guitar. Pick up a guitar
1: <laughs> for sure. Um, but is is John Mayer Jeff Beck level? Is he is he no. Hendrix level? Is he you know? Nobody those- is
0: Jeff Beck level. Nobody's Hendrix level. Yeah. You know, and they're their own star. You know, it's like you can't say Saturn and Jupiter are the same. They're they're both what they are. And that's Jimi Hendrix and Jeff Beck or Jimmy Page or Clapton. They all have their own thing.
1: So one of the things Um, that I often hear in defense of John Mayer is he should be regarded as being on that same sort of 60s, 70s guitar god level. Mark Knopfler, uh, Garcia, you know, all of these really famous players who are famous for being guitar players, not famous for writing songs.
0: Right. Well, the reason I wouldn't agree with that is because all the guys we mentioned before brought something original and new to the instrument. Hendrix did stuff people weren't doing the way Jeff Beck approached melodies and, and tones completely his own, you know, um, page. All these guys, they have like a special sauce that they brought mm-hmm. to, to, the, to the, you know, the barbecue of music, you know, John Mayer just borrows their barbecue sauce you know what i mean (laughs) like like he's playing their licks and it's great like he does it flawlessly but he's not He's not breaking the mold. Eddie Van Halen broke the mold. You know what I mean. Ingve broke the mold. Randy um, Rhodes. Steve Vai, Randy Rhodes. Those guys did something different than everybody else, and that's why they were on gu- covers of guitar magazines when they were kids, b- when they were young, I should say, because they were doing something so innovative that everybody needed to know about it and find out who they were, and that's why they got put on that level, not because hey, they have chops. There's a million guys that have chops that play. I go out to any club and see it.
1: A hundred percent true. I agree. Like if you just go on TikTok or YouTube, you will see guitar players who can play circles around everybody. Right. But they're not they're not writing songs, generally speaking. They are shredding. Um, So that's like a a different thing that probably isn't going to get them beyond what their audience already is.
0: Right, because there's an art to playing a song, too. A guy like Tim Pierce can shred, but no, that dude can play a song. Mm-hmm. He knows how to approach a song that is written and can be a hit. He knows how to make his guitar make that song better, not just a guy who has a guitar on that song. You know, you yes. see the
1: difference? Yes. He
0: comes in and goes, how do I sprinkle like some sparkles on this <laughs> and, and make it better rather than just...
1: So, bring to bring this full circle to what you said at the beginning. You are a jack of all str- all trades and a master of none, which I'm I'm not going to agree with, right? So you are you have legit skills, but now applying that to John Mayer isn't that kind of what we're talking about, right? John Mayer can do a lot of stuff pretty well, so that gets him in the door. But really, what got him in the door was writing these sort of very accessible songs right and he would yeah. bristle when someone would say oh he's not really a guitar player because his ego would would get right, up, right? right
0: he went to Berkeley. I mean, he (laughs) pursued guitar as what he wanted to do with his life, you know, and just happened to busk making money, singing and playing guitar and things came together for him. You know, we, he, he had luck, you know, which we all have, which is, you know, hard work, perseverance and good timing. And his timing just happened to work out perfect.
1: Right. So would you go to see Clapton's Crossroads thing with, with guys like uh, contemporary guitarists, like John Mayer and the like modern guitarists versus no, no, I want to see Clapton and I want to see Mark Knopfler and I want to see anyone who's from that era, who's still alive and still playing. I want to see that versus the new crop.
0: A bit of both, a bit of both. Uh, Again, those guys, you know, you mentioned Knopfler, you mentioned Clapton, they both have that special thing. Mm-hmm. No one played like Mark Knopfler in rock music when he came out, you know, no one played like Clapton. So, again, that's where and all these new guitar players are great. Like I watched some of those clips on on uh, Instagram of like, you know, what's that? Chris
1: Kingtone. Yeah, I think that's yeah. his name. Fisher, he's a, uh Kingfisher. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's great. You know, I mean, but he plays the licks I've heard before. He plays the licks I play, you know yeah. what I mean? But he he does them way better, but he's not doing anything Different. Mm-hmm. He's John Mayer and him. They could be interchangeable. John Mayer, John, Joe Bonamassa and him, they could all be the same. You know what I mean? Samantha fish, they could all be in the same. Do you, you see what I'm saying? So like, is the I,
1: audience all the same for all of those artists you just mentioned?
0: I have no idea. I would, I would imagine, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, again, it, and then you compare Eric Johnson in there and it's like he still did something new and innovative. His tone was innovative, the way he approached pentatonics and playing. And that, that's the difference, I think, is like I, yeah. I haven't heard anything at the crossroads, people, you know, like now if you're talking, say, the guy from Periphery, he plays way different. Like, there's a reason I, I, I'm i not a huge fan of him personally, but I think he's bringing something completely different. Mm -hmm. That uh, Mateus Asado, he's bringing something different. They they can deserve to have their names up there above John Mayer and Joe Bonamassa and those guys because they legit are bringing something we haven't heard before. Whereas Joe Bonamassa is just putting a little spin on Clapton or ZZ Top, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? They're all just kind of putting a spin on something, not bringing an originality.
1: But as you said, right, there's... If there's room, if people want to listen to them, then who, why begrudge them anything, right? No, if, yeah, they're, if they're working hard for their success and they're getting it, then yep. great. Yeah, yeah <laughs> why absolutely. would you say, no, he doesn't deserve it, which is something that you, right. you often hear on guitar forums in particular.
0: The guy, so of all the younger guitar players, the guy that I connect with listening to is Marcus King. He mm-hmm. doesn't play anything that's not in the wheelhouse. But I just I like the notes he plays, I like the licks he plays, I like his feel, you know? So right. I think that's that's what attracts it. And and so I put his music on because I'm like, man, when his solos come up, I'm like, phew, that's yeah, kid smoking, you know? But that's not to say like Joe is not smoking. I just don't right. connect with him the same way. So
1: Right. Uh, one last thing here, Mark, before I let you go for this episode, and that is do you think there are actually aliens in the world? <laughs>
0: um i don't know i
1: come on you saw you saw the mexican thing right where they unveiled well
0: those were those were definitely aliens so yeah now that you say that yeah i did see those pictures and videos it's pretty scary
1: (laughs) right right but but you've been in la a long time there has to be weirdos walking around where you think that dude might be an alien I definitely think that.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. And I've definitely seen people at. i like, I don't know what planet that dude's from, but. <laughs> awesome.
1: Well, I want to thank everyone who is listening and supporting the podcast. It is very much appreciated. I think Mark appreciates you too. Right, Mark?
0: Thank you guys so much. It's awesome. I love doing this. I love talking to Paul and playing music and chatting all this stuff. ¶¶¶¶